Lisa, and together we are two sober chicks. I thought I'd Little... let you say it by yourself so we wouldn't be out of sync. Well, I look at your mouth to see when you're saying it, and I try and sync up my own words because <laughs> the Zoom delay, like we have no idea how it sounds until after. But yeah, I just wanted to give a disclaimer to our beloved listeners. Um, both of Lisa and I feel like absolute garbage tonight for very different reasons. Yeah. I turned on my Zoom camera and Lisa's shoulders were hunched and all I heard was, Ugh. and I was like, that's exactly how I feel right now. Yeah. So we're sharing in our misery hmm. with each other and with all of you. That's right. It's it, a it, better place to share your misery than in a group of people that you know get it. One of the things I love about the Zoom meeting put on by the zoo, the morning zoo crew, <clears throat> is they say um, a burden, a burden shared is halved mm -hmm. and a joy shared is doubled. Oh, I've never heard the second part of that. That's cool. That's nice, eh? Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing. We're having our, our burdens. <laughs> yes, we're sharing our burdens. By sharing it. Yeah. And hopefully through this podcast, we will help change the perspective of somebody who is waffling on whether or not to drink on New Year's Eve. Yes, which is tomorrow. Right. When we are recording this on the 30th of January, but this is going to be aired. December. Well, as soon as we get it up. So might be aired tonight. <laughs> might be aired New Year's Eve whenever yes. it comes to your podcast. So, yes. Hopefully you get it. So, yeah. So our New Year's uh, message, broadcast, and show. So New Year's Eve is one of those things that I have heard the most when people get sober. There's always two things. Right. How am I ever not going to drink at a wedding, my wedding, my daughter's wedding, my cousin's wedding, whatever? Mm -hmm. Or how am I going to not drink over New Year's? They're like the two twin evil sisters of against sobriety for a lot of people. And I think... Um, that's probably why this topic has been on my mind today. Like I, every time I shared in a meeting, I love my job right now because I can also uh, launch into Zoom meetings while I'm working because you can do that on your phone, right? So <laughs> while I'm driving around, I'm listening to Zoom and I'm joining in meetings and every now and again, I'll be pulled over somewhere. So then I get an opportunity to share. Uh, I've, I went to three meetings today. <laughs> That's amazing. During your work day. During my work day. Awesome. Paid for it. So it's amazing. Well, hey, for some of us, we might have even drank on the job. So why not go to an AA meeting <laughs> on the job? <laughs> um, so I thought uh, I shared a lot on this topic today. And uh, then I journaled about it when I got home. And I, I texted Julian. I said, I really think we should do this podcast together. Because sometimes in the years past, we've done separate messages on New Year's Eve. And mm -hmm. we might still do that but I thought this one would be kind of fun to do together. So I'm going to read some of the things that I wrote from my journal and Julie's going to chime in with, uh, with her 50 cents as well. That I, and I have not heard this before, beloved listeners, I will be hearing this at the same time that you are. So I'm very excited. And we should also say our disclaimer that the only reason why we have an X rated rating on this podcast is in case you're listening with kids, because Julie and I are foul mouth potty potty mouth creatures and we sometimes drop the f-bomb or 
other words or she comes on to me and it's like you know (laughs) we are sexually inappropriate with each other yes (laughs) so we're just putting that out there be forewarned all right so here's my message okay another year is coming to a close and for those of us that used to drink to celebrate or used to drink to mourn the year that passed as the case may be new year's eve can be one of those hallmark holidays that has to be very carefully navigated. What a great metaphor or analogy, navigation through troubled or murky waters. Waters that could be quite treacherous if we're new, quite treacherous if we don't know what lies beneath. Wasn't that a movie somewhere, What Lies Beneath? Yeah, I think it was Nicole Kidman who loved it. I mean, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh yeah, right. And it was so good. Uh, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, Anyway, sidetrack. Oh, something shiny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Squirrel. (laughs) All right. So navigation through troubled or murky waters, waters that could be quite treacherous if we don't know what lies beneath. But just like AA is here to be your compass, we at Two Sober Chicks are also here to share our past experience with you to help you navigate Um, what might be unknown or uncertain to you because guess what we've probably already been there before so as a newcomer to sobriety recovery aa i didn't understand there was a difference between we've talked about this before the thoughts in my head and facts Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought they were different so you're going to probably have some of your own so here are a few that i would like to lay out for the listener lisa's brain coming up on say an event like new year's eve oh are you going to do like a different voice for your brain in reality like maybe an accent or a range change no i wasn't going to and now you put me on the spot oh i'm sorry all right let's try it lisa's brain oh, no one will want to hang out with me if i'm not drinking that sounds like go- Gollum. <laughs> i love it fact you are not a mind reader You have no idea what other people are thinking. Mm -hmm. I tried to sound like Glinda the Good Witch there. Mm -hmm. Did that work? Yes. (laughs) All right. Lisa's brain. I won't have any fun if I don't drink. Fact. Drinking for an alcoholic isn't fun, dear. (laughs) You have a delusional idea of fun. Mm. Drinking for an alcoholic usually ends in hangovers, detox, hospitalization, handcuffs, incarceration, regrettable sexual encounters, financial loss, loss of all sweet relationships you once held dear, family, (laughs) friends, and partners. How's that? Well, that would be an amazing commercial. I feel like you could be talking about any of the pharmaceuticals on TV when the disclaimers come instead of it being like, um, side effects could include alopecia, whatever the stupid things are. What's priapism for like the little blue pill? Priapism, that sounds fun. Um, scratchy asshole, leaky gut, like whatever it is. I think it'd be a great commercial is what I'm trying to say. Limbs falling off. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, Lisa's brain. People will think it's weird that I'm not drinking. <laughs> Again, we do not know what other people think. 
Uh, we are making an assumption on this one, probably because when we were drinking, we were judgy, superficial motherfuckers. <laughs> I know I was. Oh, here's another one. Lisa's brain. Well, I need to toast in the new year. Mm. Really? Need? You don't need that. What you need is some sober supports. Hang out with sober people or let the people you are going to be hanging out with know you cannot drink alcohol safely because honesty keeps us safely away from that next drink. Uh, and the last one I wrote down for Lisa's brain versus facts. There are so many reasons to drink. <laughs> eh, wrong. There are only lame excuses. Very nice. So I have more written, but I want to stop there. And I want to get your, do you have any other things that you can think of that came to mind for Julie's brain? Lies your brain told you versus facts. I mean, all of those, obviously. Uh, the, the ones about... Um, what are other people going to think? And I'm not going to have fun or were two of the big ones. But I remember one time having a moment, which I discussed on a previous podcast a long time ago, where I was in that mind frame. I was alone somewhere and everyone, it was New Year's Eve and everyone was around me and everyone, like the Raiders were bringing free champagne and I was looking at, and they brought it to, to me. And they also brought like a a dessert champagne. It was like um, jelly and there was stuff in it. And I remember looking at it and having those thoughts and then thinking all of a sudden, which appeals to many a control freak, am I really going to let four ounces of liquid in a glass control my life? Mm -hmm. Like that little amount has such a big effect on me. Like, uh, uh, not with this queen, that's absolute insanity. And mm -hmm. Lucky for me, I clicked in that moment and I was like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Me giving all that power and control to that. That's a and great Julie's brain versus a fact, a fucking yeah. fact. Good for you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did whatever I did that night. I can't remember. I was in that hotel and I woke up the next day and I felt great. And I had missed out on absolutely nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. I recently started to think back. Uh, over all of the New Year's Eves I've had. And I couldn't remember a single one. Not one. Not one what? New Year's Eve that you had been drinking? No, that I had an actual good time. Oh. Wasted. Yeah, it starts out with an awesome idea and that first drink, which is always like amazing. And yeah. then the slow decline into insanity and misery yeah and uh several of them were spent in like isolation in drinking which i didn't even really acknowledge until several years into sobriety i never thought no i, I didn't drink alone i always drank with other people but usually yeah. by the end of the night probably because of my behavior my sloppiness my drunkenness my vomiting my fist fights um mm -hmm. i ended up alone and that's usually what happened um Another thing that came up in one of the meetings today was, you know, we're hearing a lot uh, from people who are going through this right now themselves. Their brains are talking to them and telling them like, uh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. What are people going to think about me? And that one always makes me laugh because 
I can remember having those thoughts and feelings. You know, we worry about what other people are going to think about us if we're not getting wasted, but we barely worried about, um, yeah, all the fucking wreckage that we created when we were drinking, sleeping with other people's husbands and wives, both maybe at the same time, um, (laughs) running around topless, knocking trays of drinks over, um, running out on bills, um, doing drugs because you were so drunk. You're like, yeah, I'll try anything, you know, like crazy shit. We didn't even, we don't even think about that, but we worry about what other people are going to think about us if we don't. It's selective worrying, because as you just pointed out, we worry about what they will think of us if we're not doing this, but we have no worry about what they're thinking about us if we do do that. And so it's like, who is the authority in your life? For me, my authority is my higher power. That is the the person or the being or the entity that I worry about would be offside with me because something I've done. Like I would always want to be in line with God's will for my life, which is holiness and goodness and kindness and grace and respect and dignity for who I am and how I carry myself. But we give a lot of power to liquid in a bottle or in a vial or in a jar or in another body. And they have no bearing on our life whatsoever. They don't pay the bills. They don't sleep in our bed. They don't feel the pain in our body. Like this program is really about undoing our ego and our sense of the world to the point where it's nothing. It's like crumbly dirt on the ground and then rebuilding a foundation with all of these tools and these amazing people in recovery so that we get like right-sided as to what actually matters. And you didn't actually think like that when you were drinking, right? This is the way you think because of recovery. Yeah. I mean, I had all of the thoughts of others. That's why I was so fake and nobody knew what was going on in my life because I was worried about what other people thought of me. Yeah. And then I did the work and I was like, oh, it's what do I think of me and Mm. where where does my authority come from? I think of me now as an amazing woman in recovery that is you know, I'm not besides our fellowship, you know, I'm in a new place. I'm in a new city. I'm with a whole bunch of people that aren't in recovery. When I look at other people and how they cope, and I'm not saying that a lot of these people cope in bad ways, but I don't have the luxury of like taking a hit off a joint or having a drink to take the edge off. And in the face of that, it makes me realize how remarkable it is to be a person in recovery and to it's, it's the harder, it's not the easier, softer way. in a lot of in a lot of ways. It's a harder way. I have to go meditate. I have to go pray. I don't have anything to get me out of myself. So Mm -hmm. that's why I have to do the work to be okay with myself so that I'm comfortable in my skin when I have uncomfortable feelings. So now I have so much, I, I, I think it was, I don't know who it was. It was someone in our friend group that said their sponsor told them, if you want to have esteem, do esteemable things. Is it you? It's yeah. Oh, Yeah. Amazing how simple that is. Yeah. Because I was going on about my, my low self-esteem and whining about my, well, I have low self-esteem and he's like, yeah, why do you think that is you fucking Dumbo (laughs) go out and do something esteemable and then you'll build up your self-esteem. Yeah. You know, okay, so this leads us nicely into my next topic about people's feelings being easily hurt. (laughs) 
It takes a while. You know what? It's the biggest egos have the biggest feelings. Mm. It takes a while. And you know, we're not exempt from that. No. Oh, fuck. We I... had to have the shit kicked out of us before we were like, we're being brats. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And I guess that's a good disclaimer because I felt exactly like a lot of people that I hear in the rooms. I, I was whiny. Uh, I was full of self-pity. Um, I thought that I was being ganged up on, that people weren't being nice to me, that they didn't understand. Um, and I don't have those feelings and thoughts anymore. Like I've had a, a, a thinking, a change in my thinking. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is this notion of a slip. Because this comes up a lot, especially around the holiday times. Oops, I, I slipped. Can, and I, I know it's coming because I know this one irks you. I can't yeah. wait to hear about it. Okay, so a slip being one night out of drinking and then you come back again, somehow being different from a relapse that keeps you out for maybe weeks, months, or longer. Again, these are just my thoughts based on my own personal experience. I do not represent AA as a whole, nor am I employed or represent any treatment facility rehab, or am I in any way a professional of the medical field? These are my experiences and my opinions. I give that caveat because some might find what I'm about to say offensive or controversial, or you're going to get your little fucking feelings hurt and, and you're going to stop listening to the podcast, but don't <laughs> stop. <laughs> Like they say, don't leave before the miracle happens. Don't leave before you maybe hear the message. So here's why. I do not believe there is a difference between a slip and a relapse. In both, we, the alcoholic, made a conscious choice. And we did this after being armed with information provided to us by AA, by sponsors, by other alcoholics, by rehab professionals, doctors, psychiatrists, and the list goes on. And we made a fucking conscious choice to pick up that drink or drug and do it anyway. I don't know about you, but I have never fallen or tripped and accidentally spilled a drink down my throat. You, Julie? Uh, no, that would be a negatory. But is that what you thought I was going to say? Yes. Okay. I thought that you would be irritated at sort of like the slip is like being easy on someone. Oh, it's just a slip. Don't worry. Versus the reality is any imbibing of a substance that you were addicted to and went in recovery for is technically a relapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I am getting to that. So there's more. So again, okay. people, if you're just, well, like, you know, this isn't radio. You're not just tuning in. I always do that <laughs> thinking that they background. just tuned in. Mm -hmm. All right. So please don't think I'm judging you because I'm not. I've been there. So I am sharing this with you, not in a judgy way, in a, I get you. I've been there. I had those thoughts and feelings. And I've been there twice. Once with alcohol, the second time somehow deluding myself into thinking that it was going to be different because it was drugs. So here's what I learned from those experiences. One, I had not stayed sober long enough to learn any new thinking. So my old ideas were running rampant and running the show, unchecked. And when this brain is in charge, I am bound to drink again. Two, I had kept trying to beat the system, find loopholes, find the differences between me and you, the alcoholics. Three, I wanted an easier, softer way. 
and I would not follow a few simple suggestions because my ego and my pride kept telling me lies. Lies like, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink for eight months. Mm -hmm. Or life is so hard. If you had my problems, you'd drink too. Four, I didn't like myself. Five, I did not love myself. Six, I thought no one else loved or could ever love or care for me. I also think that um, we are dangerously close to celebrating these so-called slips and relapses in meetings and Zoom rooms. And here's, a, here's why. I see it time and time again in meetings of recovery, especially as we go through the holiday season and come up to New Year's. That Joe, Dick, Sally, or Jane has made a choice because life got too hard. So once again, they made a choice to use. And luckily, by the grace of God, they didn't die. <laughs> and afterwards, they go, oh, yeah, wait a second. I have a program of support for this. And they come rushing back to the rooms of AA. A little more broken, a little more battered and bruised. And here's the dangerous part. We fucking celebrate them. We applaud them. <laughs> And we hugged them and we were like, so I'm so proud of you for coming back. Don't be ashamed. Keep coming back. What I feel is the dangerous part of this message is this, Julie. The message is it's okay for any of us to use again. And I fucking don't feel that it is because we might not get a second chance. For the countless chronic relapsers I see, there are thousands more that go out and die. Perhaps if we had impressed upon them the very dangerous nature of this disease, instead of worrying about hurting their fragile little feelings, we might have saved their lives. So that's the end of my, my journal entry today. Okay. So, um, yeah, Julie's going to balance me out here. because. <laughs> well, first of all, because I know you, you're not saying these things out of judgment. You're saying them out of genuine love and fear that because we celebrate it, that someone's not going to take seriously how life-threatening it is for us to go out and how people we know, whether it was one drink or a thousand, went out and never came back, whether it was death or they just never made their, their way back. Mm -hmm. So I know where it comes from. And I understand what you're saying. I was lucky that when I relapsed two years in, um, I wasn't coddled. I, I was literally being, I was literally told, why the fuck didn't you say anything? Cause you don't, it, you don't just end up very rare. The person that like doesn't know they're on the way to a relapse and all of a sudden they relapse. It's mm -hmm. very rare. You always can see the signs a long time ago. Yep. Um, you know, but I, you know, you know, you get up for the desire chip after you've slipped and everybody claps and that's great. Um, beyond that, I mean, it's what the own person's feelings are about that, that makes them treat that person in whatever way it was, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a slip or a relapse, the big book and the 12 and 12 both use those terms. Although slip is only used between the two books, like five times. One's actually in Dr. Bob's story, which I found very interesting. Um, I tend to look at a slip as something that was like, oh, I had a drink or I had three drinks or I smoked a joint or I took a pill and it was done. And a relapse is like a big lapse in judgment where you go for a while. You they're the same it. and they're different to mm -hmm. me. But yeah. I don't think that anybody can say they slipped and then not start again in AA. Uh, and I know that's hard for some people to hear because some people don't start again and they don't think it's right. And most of the haters of AA 
always harp on that one thing. Like they all have a problem with going back to zero, but going back to zero is the fear that keeps most people not relapsing. Mm -hmm. That's like the number one in my books is whenever I have a drinking dream and I'm waking up and I'm not sure if I did or I didn't, Mm -hmm. the number one thing is, oh fuck, now I have to go back to day one. (laughs) So it's a good, I think it's a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I did, like I did that too. And so, um, but I, I've tried to list like, why did I do that? And it was ego and it was pride and it was lying and keeping secrets and not telling the truth. I remember um, for the drinking one, I never picked up the phone. I never told a sponsor how I was thinking. I stopped seeing the sponsor. I stopped doing the work. I started to go to fewer and fewer meetings. I dropped um, commitments And it was because something in my life didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And you know what? I had the stupidity and the audacity to blame AA and the promises (laughs) and say, I didn't get to keep my wife. Like, (laughs) what? I thought things were supposed to work out. Why the fuck did I get sober? That was my thinking. Why the fuck did I get sober? And the next thought was, because I'm fucked now, because I don't know how to deal with these feelings. Yeah. I don't know how to deal with this pain without alcohol. It's so easy to be sober when things are going great. Yes. Yeah. I think of, so maybe this isn't like a good example or a parallel, but I think of people that in the moment decide they want to throw away how much sobriety they have or how much time and they have for something that happens in their life. The same way I was forced to look at when I was divorced, not wanting to go to the same place that we used to go for dinner or hating that street because I used to live on it or not wanting to talk to that person because they knew us when we were a couple. And it just (laughs) dawned on me one day like, okay, so you're going to throw away 10 years of tons of goodness and good memories and good times and love and family and whatever, because magically now that it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, it's just all fucked and all bad. And you're going to throw it all away. Like I liked that restaurant and I liked that person and I love walking down that street. Mm -hmm. And so when we think of a relapse, it's like, really, you're going to throw away 10 days, one year, 10 years, because this happened in your life and you're going to pay the price for your one bad hour or one bad decision where you're going to do those bad things in that hour. Like it's just sort of like a perspective check on the whole thing. And I love that we're talking about this because I think for someone who may be struggling with drinking or using and relapsing or slipping tonight, to really think about what you're going to lose or what you will miss if you go and break your time in recovery, because it is a break, you know, it's like when you have a fight with a partner or you break up with someone and you get back together, like it's different and you have to work twice as hard now just to get back to the ground you were before. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to do what, what I called the walk of shame, you know, yeah. and it, it was hard to walk yeah. up to that front of the room again and pick up a 24 hour chip. Mm-hmm. I guess in part, That's why people clap because they know the walk of shame. They know how hard it is Mm -hmm. to admit defeat a second fucking time. (laughs) Or a a 10th. Or third fucking time. Or I remember one time, I don't know if who it was, but someone brought in all of their desire chips. There was like 14 of them. 
wow. the 24 hour tip to people that don't know that we call them desire tips. And they put them back in like the bucket that you give to newcomers. And I was like, oh, that's like the worst juju energy ever. Like, <laughs> take that shit, throw it out, flush it down the toilet, burn it. Like, I was inside, I was like, no, like, don't put it in with the shiny, clean, new, free from bad energy chips you're going to give to other people. Hey, you never know. Maybe reverse, reverse that juju. Maybe it was good, right? Maybe the Maybe. person gets that chip goes, oh, I don't ever want to relapse. <laughs> Yeah. But we also, like you were talking about before, we also know the people that kind of use it as like an ego boost. Like there's no shame in them left and they do it because they get a lot of attention. Yeah. So that's probably where this feeling is coming from in me. Cause I, I've even had a sponsee who did, who did that like 20 years of chronic relapsing. Mm. And it's like, why? Cause you get applause every three months because, you know, and you get some attention, is it worth it? Um, and talking about, well, I, I just wanted to feel euphoric again. You know, I just wanted to mm-hmm. feel that we are not supposed to constantly feel euphoria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like we're not constantly supposed to live in darkness. There is a balance to everything we do. There is a season and there is a time and uh, it will pass. And if you only stay close to AA, to the people in AA, or whatever your fellowship is, your spiritual tribe, your group, people who understand where you came from, um, you know, I love my AA people. And I never thought I would be friends with AA people. Mm-hmm. Like I was, like I said, I was a judgy motherfucker uh, when I came in here. And um, I can remember thinking, I will never be friends with these people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And now somebody asked me, well, what, what do you do when you go to a drinking party? And I thought about it and I was like, I very rarely go to a drinking party because right. all of my friends are sober people mm-hmm. because I, I choose to hang out with sober people. Now you have a husband who could does drink or does he drink once in a while? Very rarely. So you have somebody who has people who drink normally, right? So you would go to a party in there. But my wife and I are both sober people. So our friends are sober people. So very rarely are we around my family. If I go to a family event, my family's going to be drinking. And I don't want to spend that much time around them anyway. So it's like, okay, two hours is up. See you later. Yep. (laughs) It's been nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So thank you for talking about this topic. I was just like, I'm, I just think that the applause can kill. So what I would like to see and, and what I do do sometimes is I reach out to that person and say, so tell me what you learned now that you got your pat on the back, you're back. Yeah. We're glad you're back. That's why you're getting the applause. Think of it as everyone's going, oh, thank God they didn't fucking die. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad they're alive. That's why I've clapped in the past because yeah. I can't believe you fucking lived because I know how close I came to dying. Um, so now what did you learn? And the other question is, what's going to be different this time when Mm -hmm. the bad shit happens again? Mm -hmm. What choices are you going to make that are going to be different from picking up a drink or a drug? Well, and now that they've heard uh, the good guy Lisa voice and the bad guy Lisa voice, they might be able to assign and differentiate the angel and the devil. Like, Mm -hmm. what would the devil say right now? Oh, the devil would be like, come on, it's going to be different. You're going to have fun. Oh, no. What are they going to think about you? 
Um, and the good, the angel would be like, you know how this is going to turn out. How is this good for you? How right. is this going to have anything good in your life to happen? Is it really going to be worth it for the one night? Like for me, the whole thing is your feelings aren't going to kill you. This sense of like, I'm not going to drink the devastation and the, that won't kill you. But what you're going to do to help, quote unquote, help those feelings might. might. Is that a gamble you want to take? Yeah. It's That's a gamble. It's Russian roulette, you know, with us in recovery. We don't end up in these rooms because we know how to socially do drugs and do drink and have sex and whatever. Yeah. You know, the game of roulette that I like to play now, it's called um, naked, naked <laughs> poker roulette. <laughs> it's called AA around the world roulette. I like to go to the aaintergroup.org, the international website and go, hey, it's one o'clock. What meeting can I go to? Oh, that's cool. Go to one in Auckland or something. Oh, and there was a Scottish guy on our meeting today with his beautiful accent. I love oh. a Scottish accent, even if it's attached to a penis. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like I do. I love those. Like, I love the Scottish and the Irish and the English. Like, they're the best. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so, listen, I want to give this number out. It's uh, something that I want you to write down. It's our Alcathon, and it starts at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's in a, a meeting uh, called the Zoo Crew or the Morning Zoo, and the ID code on Zoom is 670-382-735. 670-382-735, and the password is all lowercase, zoo. Um, and that's going to be more than 48 hours of meetings and fellowship nonstop throughout the night. There are volunteers that have signed up at two, three, four in the morning. So um, that's a place you can go, you know, and that's tomorrow night, December 31st, 2021 for 48 hours. Yes. Thank All you. Right. Cause this podcast will live in infamy forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully uh, some of you will come and uh, we'll see you there. Um, I don't know what your plans are, Julie. What are you doing for New Year's? I have no freaking idea. I'm Zach came home the other day with 2022 uh, embossed paper plates and <laughs> napkins. So maybe he's planning something. <laughs> but uh, probably just like a movie and yeah. I don't know, sparkling water. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, like it's just the simple things that I love and probably be in bed before it even hits. I know sometimes <laughs> that's what happens to me. I am going to stay up late. I'm working until 9 p.m. And then I'm going to log on to that Alcathon and I'm going to stay up probably till midnight and uh, then go to bed. The next day I'm going to be speaking in South Africa. <gasps> I know. Oh. Pretty cool. Um, for, let me see if I can dig out that meeting code. Yeah, please send that to me because I would love that. If only just to log in and hear the South African accent, yeah. it would be worth it. And it's uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to share my experience, strength, and hope. All right, the meeting code is 949-837-6643, and the password is 1902. So I'm going to do that to celebrate my, oh, that's my eight-year anniversary. Oh, yeah. of clean, eight years. clean, sober living. 
So I'm going to speak at one o'clock. I'm going to host an Alcathon slot, I think from three till five mm -hmm. uh, with one of my sponsees. And then we're going to do it again at nine o'clock on, uh, and that's all on New Year's Day. I hit my eight years two months ago. You did. November. Wouldn't have even remembered. I think it was my sponsor that told me. I know. Someone said like, to me, oh, oh yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's amazing. And I'm like, yep, you two can do it. Just uh, don't pick up that first drink or drug and don't die. Mm -hmm. That's how we get time. That's it. Yep. You know, stay in One these times. So do you see you're back there? Yeah, here she is. Sorry, I'm pointing behind me. I have Julie's picture with my friend Julie and Sarah and a nice little frame it says friends. I love that picture. Yeah, me too. Well, happy new year. Firework sounds. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> That's like you were doing guns there, like old fashioned Western guns. Pew, 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 pew. If I was in Texas, <laughs> that's what they'd be doing. I have a friend who lives down in Texas and she talks about how on New Year's Eve they go out and fire their guns into the sky. I'm like, uh, um, it. aren't you afraid of the bullets like when they fall to earth? Like, what? Well, no, the shell casing comes out first anyways. Yeah, but that the bullet still goes up in the air. Yeah, but they'll, they'll go so far, it won't <laughs> be a problem. Not unless they shoot straight up in the air, which I'm sure they would not. So, okay. So still my point is it goes so far away. You have no idea where it's going to land. So I'm out there <laughs> walking my fucking dog <laughs> and all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to think about that when you fire your guns off in the sky. <laughs> I want to rain on your gun shooting parade, Julie, but just a food for thought. The bullets right. do eventually come down is what Noted. I'm saying. Yes. Somewhere. Yes. Maybe if you're like, I don't know, somewhere remote. Mm -hmm. Fill your boots, as they say, on the east coast of Canada. Fill your boots, me son. All right. Well, okay. I am spent. <laughs> me too. It's a, it's a miracle we made it through this thing, honestly. I know. We were both feeling like shit, but we made it through. And hopefully uh, a message got through to whoever needed it tonight. Yeah. And, uh, we love you. Thanks for listening to us. In 2021, thanks for sticking around after all yeah. these years. It's 2017 when we started this. Wow. Podcast. It was another world back then. Yeah. And we're looking forward to having more guests on our show in 2022. So yep. make sure you follow us on Instagram at Two Sober Chicks uh, and drop us an email Two Sober Chicks, the number two, Sober Chicks, all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, maybe you'll be a guest on our show and, and uh, share your experience, strength, and hope and have a chit-chat with us and a cup yeah. of tea. Yeah. Scottish right. people and Irish people especially welcome. Yes. We'll try to keep it in our pants for the duration of the show. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well... Happy New Year! Happy New Year, beloved friend. This has been another edition of Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Thanks for joining us. Till next time. See you in 2022. See you next year. Mm -hmm.